Hello and welcome back to the Christian Contrast Podcast. My name is Garrett. I'm here with Dan. Hey guys. And uh, today we have a very special show for you. Uh, We recorded a a Zoom call with uh, the San Bernardino County Supervisor, Kurt Hagman. And uh, we want to share that with you. Dan, do you have any thoughts on uh, what people should expect? Uh, yeah, we, we had a conversation that was great, ranged a lot around what we can expect as churches and then also how we can help as churches. Um, and, you know, today, is, as we've recorded it, it's May 7th. And so if you're listening to it or watching it later, just keep that in mind because Kurt refers to different things that are very current that are going on right now. All right. Well, thanks. Well, uh, here is our call with Kurt Hagman, the San Bernardino County Supervisor. Um, so the whole nexus, I was having a discussion last night with someone, the whole nexus of the stay at home, the environment really hasn't shifted. Okay. From day one, when the, when the disease has been introduced to our state, um, it spreads and it spreads at a rapid rate, like one through five or six people. I mean, one person can spread it to five or six people. And this keeps going up like that. So the, the nexus of the, you know, stay at home, except for non-essential folks was to try to slow that spread down while at the same time, build up the capacity that we did not have at the beginning of this to deal with people who are getting sick, as well as the contact tracing and testing of those. So over the last six weeks, that's been growing dramatically on the county side. To give you an idea, our public health department, what they're geared up for, they have the best labs in the Western United States, all the certificates, great uh, doctors and stuff like that. But they're there for things like a hepatitis C outbreak or something like that, where they test 20 to 30 people over multiple days, and they're used to surrounding a small outbreak or something in those regards. When this came on, it grew very rapidly. And so our lab capabilities at the county, which is typical throughout each county, is you know 50 to 100 people a day capacity. Obviously, for a population of 2 million plus, that wasn't enough. Um, the hospital didn't have the correct testing equipment because this is a brand new virus that's never been tested before. So we had to buy a bunch of new equipment. So over the last six weeks, the short story of it is we've been building up the capacity for both testing um, and treatment um, of people who come down with a COVID virus. At the same time, we've been learning a lot about it. Um, you know, several weeks ago, we went to wearing masks, Oops. wearing a mask and that's to... Right. Got mine right here. Here's as much nicer. You know, physical distance, and you know, we found out that people, when they touch things, can spread the disease all over the place. So, okay, hand sanitizers or washing your hands. We came up the policies at the same time. We're building the infrastructure to deal with it. We're building the policies in that took a while for people to get used to. I remember when we first came out with the order, I was very frustrated. Like, no one's watching the order, wearing their mask outdoors, walking there, and that sort of thing. And that. I guess new new norm has been cut into our, our, our population. You see it now that pretty much everyone wears when they go inside the grocery store and stuff. So now with those tools, we're very hopeful now at this point going forward that we're given the authority from the governor to go ahead and start opening up many of the facets of the economy and our normal day-to-day life. Um, so the county's been working in the last three or four or five weeks dealing with uh, business sectors, including faith-based, to find out what are the pragmatic measures that we can put in place, but get back to what we were doing. And we have a playbook. I call it a playbook, but what is about a 65 page document of everything listed down. And it's very simple things that we could do to reduce the risk. It doesn't eliminate it by any means. I think I was watching one of the news shows last night this morning that was saying 38 states are already reopened, are already seeing a spike in, in their COVID you know, outbreaks. 
Well, that's to be expected. As we get out of our homes and start interacting with people, we're going to see a spike. But what can we do as pragmatic measures to lessen that likelihood? If we keep it the one-to-one, we're in good shape. If it goes back to one to five people, we'll quickly run out of resources and places to take care of people, and therefore people will die. So you got both those columns working at the same time. The third column is what our scientists and pharmaceutical companies are finding out how to treat people when they do get COVID, and hopefully eventually the end result is a vaccination against it. All those are running in parallel. Um, what I have to explain to a lot of people, even though we have county medical health orders, our orders can only be more restricted. They can't undo what other orders are. So the federal government has said distance rule, six feet apart, we're practical. The state government has said, you know, some of the stay-at-home orders. We put on the local mask order, okay? We can say there's no orders in San Bernardino County, but the federal and the state orders still apply, the stay-at-home order and those type of mm-hmm. things. So we have limited authority to make things more restricted, but not less restricted in the county. That was up until Monday where the governor said he's indicating, which is we've been advocating for, give local counties the ability to manage their own population. And he indicated that on, on Monday saying, we're going to be looking at different things in order to turn local control over. How's your numbers? Do you have adequate testing? Do you have adequate bed space in case you have a spike? Do you have those medical stockpiles of things ready to go in case it gets bad in your county? Um, next, do you have a plan to reopen? Okay, so we have all those things. We have everything he said on Monday that we need to turn it over to us. He didn't say if that is going to happen, how it's going to happen, though. So we have our playbook. We have our data. Our data looks really good. Our residents have really responded. Everyone's doing their part. I hear literally 20 to 30 people a day very frustrated with it, and they want to get going. Some people don't believe this is any different than the flu. In reality, I've been reading articles and studies and data from all the different countries around the world, best practices. I live and breathe this stuff, you know, 20 hours plus a day, and this is much worse than the flu. It does affect people with underlying health conditions more so than those who don't. So our deaths are coming from people with underlying other diseases for the most part. Um, Or seniors are very, very vulnerable. About a third of our deaths have been from our senior healthcare facilities throughout um, the county. But we still have deaths. We still have increasing numbers. And we'll still continue to see increasing numbers as we do more testing. The testing, we're, we at, uh, you know, two or three weeks ago, we we're getting maybe 1,000 a weekend, and now we're up over four or 5,000 a week. So we've been building that capacity, not just internally, but also using um, LabCorp and Quest and other third-party um, testing facilities. So we have testing pretty much every day of the week in different parts of the county going. Um, our goal there is to identify those who have the COVID virus and then give them that support network to keep them isolated from other people so they don't spread it and make sure they get the proper medical care, but also find out who they met with the previous four or five days to test them too, to make sure they are not down the next carrier that spread going forward. Um, So I keep going with different directions, but that was in the past. So today we're going to find out from the governor at noon what the criteria he says that we need to meet. He indicated on Monday, we think we made it all. If he does say you're good to go today, And regardless, we have a plan we're going to submit probably tomorrow saying these are our plans to reopen. 
some of them are dates. Um, some of them are how we do things. And um, things I can think of on top of my head are this very pragmatic stuff. When you go in the, to Stay the Brothers or Rouse or something like that, you see they have a little plastic barrier between the person who checks out and the customer. Well, that keeps the droplets. We got to remember how this is spread is by us speaking, by us coughing, sneezing, those droplets to someone else, and they somehow get it when they're – uh, membranes to bring into their body that's how the disease spread it also can spread by us spewing it onto a object of some sort our phones are very bad so sanitize your phones and now our fingers touch it and they touch other things within the area they last depending on what kind of surface anywhere from a couple hours to like I've heard as bad as you know 24 hours of certain services so cleaning this and that's why the mask is important if you have a mask on you can't spread it to other things that you touch very easily. So we've seen a lot of these things um, naturally come out of the stores that have been open the whole time. And, um, and we put some of those guidelines. So everything from restaurants to barbershops. Okay, obviously it's very difficult to wear a mask while you eat. So there's going to be certain things that we can't respect people to do, but we can expect that your server wear a mask and that there's proper hygiene with your chef and your servers who are touching your plates and your silverware and things that they're not getting on the stuff that you're going to touch now. And we can say maybe the tables need to be six feet apart. That's a pragmatic way to not guarantee we're not going to spread it, but really reduce the likelihood that it's spread that way. And same thing with, with faith-based. We really want to get people back in churches. The mental health and spiritual health of our residents are utmost important. We do think it's Every business, especially faith-based, is an essential business. We could have said, go ahead and do whatever you want, but the state already had those restrictions on group gatherings, as we know. Um, we've been skirting the line on that by saying, yeah, go ahead and get together on drive-in churches and other ways, just keep your physical distance. And that's what we're looking at going forward. Is there a way to maybe do every other pew in there? Is there a way to say, hey, we really want you to wear a mask on in? Put a hand sanitizer machine so you, when you touch things inside, you're not possibly spreading it. Try to keep some physical distance between non-family members, um, which may mean more pressure on you to have more services that day um, to accommodate your parishioners to go in. And practical things like how do you pass a collection plate? Well, we may ask you to have a, a drop-off box on the side so you can drop your, your collections in but not pass the, the pan back and forth. Those are some of the, the things we're putting into our plan that we hope that we're able to initiate starting tomorrow. Um, we don't have all those details to the governor. The governor has, even though we're in daily communications with this office, hasn't really given us his playbook, much less say, I'm gonna withdraw our county, our state rules and restrictions. So until we know that indication from him, we're hopeful that under what he said on Monday that we can go to him tomorrow. Here's a letter by us and all the cities that we're, we're really united in San Bernardino County, which is unlike most of the counties you see right now. Most of them are in chaos. San Bernardino County has been holding together pretty, pretty closely. Lots of frustrations out there for businesses and residents want to get out there, but the cities and the governments and for the most part, the business leaders are sticking together. They realize how serious this could be. And what's worse, if we don't, start doing things the right way as we unleash the economy and going back, we can be in a much worse uh, situation in October, November when the flu season comes and we're already spreading germs 
more rapidly because there's multiple viruses out there um, that we may have to do another shutdown, which our economy, and I don't think the federal government is going to write another $3 trillion check if, it goes, if we go through this again. So we have to do this in the right way. It's not lives or economy. It's trying to do both at the same time moving forward. Um, and I think we have a really good plan. I'm very optimistic of our plan. I've been communicating with a lot of my old colleagues from the legislature in different counties and getting their best practices and comparing ours. And I think our playbook is very solid. Um, we're taking an approach of a carrot and not a stick. So what does that mean? We have, by California law, if we put a health order out, it is enforceable by a misdemeanor or a fine, okay? My sheriff, my, my law enforcement don't wanna go around giving you know thousand dollar tickets to people. That's not very popular, nor is it gonna go over well. They're already suffering by the orders to stay at home and they're maybe losing their job and the business and all the rest of it. So we don't wanna we don't we haven't given out one citation in San Manuel County, for example, at this point. But I do have a carrot that I can use. And so we started a program last Friday and gearing up for this reopening called the COVID Compliant Business Campaign. And I actually have a, it's going to be a placard. If you go to restaurants and you see the A, B, or C uh, rating in the restaurant, depending on how clean they are, this is going to be a placard that businesses or you know, nonprofits or entities can put in their window saying, we have met the county guidelines to reopen safely. Okay, so they can put that up. So me as a consumer can know that store is doing everything they can to fight this disease. I'm going to go shop there. Um, those guidelines are going to, just have the basics, physical distance when, pos when possible, wear the mask where you're a group of people that are not your family members, um, hand sanitation or washing basins. Those three basic things. There'll be a few more for like restaurants of how to sanitize the table after someone leaves the table, how to make sure you, you don't have a bunch of row of glasses and dishware within a foot of someone sitting there that could possibly spread the germs on there. Uh, making sure maybe you have temperature checks for your cooks to make sure they not have a fever that may be passing on to the food. You know, there, there may be more criteria for the most complicated one, which would be sit-down restaurants. But for most, it's going to be those three basics that go through. Um, and to add to that carrot, it's not just a sign that hopefully will say to the people I have confidence in that establishment, but we're also putting money behind it. We're putting $30 million to give out to business, local small businesses to be able to help reimburse them for the cost of doing the right thing and to incentivize them to do the right thing. So we're guessing it's probably about a $2,000 check for a small business. It's not going to solve all their problems for being closed for the last 90 days, but it will help them maybe do the right thing in their, their establishments to keep people safe. Our goal is to get people out there as fast as we can in a very safe manner. And we hope our plan is is cooked it's ready to go there are probably modifications like anything else as we get out but we've been working with industry leaders um, faith-based leaders um, different sector leaders to to run those plans by and to make sure they make sense uh, before we put them out and we're hoping to get things open here very soon yeah well well thanks thanks for just kind of outlining yeah. all that and, and you know you, you touched on some things that i know have been questions coming up for us in in the church arena which is you know for me, when I, when I see, you know, all right, phase three is churches. For me, I, I'm kind of like, well, churches have a lot of gatherings. You know, we've we got the Sunday morning that's kind of the big one. We've got the, yeah. you know, midweek. You know, we have all kinds of small groups of like 15 people that meet in homes. And so 
as we talk about that, you know, we, Garrett and I were just sharing beforehand, we, we'd kind of presumed that there would be some sort of gradual nature to reopening and trying to figure out if, if we may still not be um, right at the verge of full church services on Sunday with hundreds of people, are we in a position where we might be able to start up under the right circumstances, groups of, you know, 15, groups of 25, groups of 50, things like that? Absolutely. I, if, if everything goes well today, we will have that local authority to authorize that starting tomorrow, which I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Again, come on, Governor, say the right things today. We have the plan going. I think it's not a number of groups. It's not the sheer number. It's how you get together. Okay. Okay. Um, I have my small groups, and you know, we start off each small group of everyone holding hands to do a prayer. Probably not going to hold hands unless you sanitize first. Okay. If you have a hand sanitizer, wash your hands, we're good to go. We can wear masks. Okay, we go in the store right now with people within a foot or two feet of us while we're shopping, and we're not seeing these big spikes at the stores because people are wearing masks. So those are two biggest things. If I can get people to wear their masks and to wash often and, and sanitize their hands, we're in good shape. That cuts out 85% of the spread right there. Um, if we're practical, you got physical distancing. So in in a store setting, people are moving. So you're not next to someone for... 45 minutes to an hour in a group settings. Generally, if it's with a church service or I'm watching a sporting event or a concert or something like that, I'm sitting someone I don't know to in front of me, behind me, next door to me for a long period of time. That gives that chance to spread in that little zone. If someone's sick, a lot higher chance of infecting the people around them. Just like we saw a lot of that in airplanes at the beginning. But if someone's wearing a mask, that captures 80% of that. And so it's a combination of those, those things to reduce the likelihood. It doesn't eliminate it, but that's why I see us going. I would, if we have the authority tomorrow, I will definitely release you to do those things starting next week under those type of circumstances. So when that is in someone's home, I would suggest that whoever host has a thorough sanitation routine of Lysol wipes afterward or with someone sitting on the chair, that kind of thing, or better yet, have a hand sanitizer station as you come in or a bathroom, go wash your hands with hand sanitizer soap and wear a mask, wear a mask where you can. Uh, if you're doing um, communion or something like that, you may have to take it out. We'll have to figure that out. But I trust you want to do the right thing for your members of your church as well. So if we work together and say, Hey, these are best practices we have. We're hoping that we will see some spread but not the same rate we saw without these things. in, mm-hmm. And so it, it reduces that spread. It reduces the likelihood because um, I talked to many of my pastor friends. It's like, I know you're very anxious to get open, but at the same time, you got to be anxious that if you open up to where you used to do things and the 30 of your parishioners get sick, that's not going to be a good thing either. Um, and that's not going to be a good single out to the rest of society. If that, you know, in South Korea, that's where the biggest outbreak was, was the church. We came together meeting for a long time and 50% of their parishioners got sick. Uh, so we got, we got to work together with the science and the need. The need is to get people back together. We need that socialization. We need that spiritual guidance now. Um, and if you have done, uh, the faith base has done a fantastic job of adapting like technology use now, but it's not the same as being close to be able to talk one-on-one sometimes to be able to have your 
your brother, your sister hear you out with your situation you're doing at home, or for you to be that social network um, lifeline you need for those who do need help without people having that ability to talk to you. So if you're six feet away, you don't need to wear a mask, okay? If you're in that six-feet boundary, wear a mask, wash your hands, try to limit that exposure as, as much as possible, try to limit passing things back and forth, whatever those are, um, as minimal as Actually, possible. Real, real quick, just with what you said, I, I wanted to follow up on. And, and you know, uh, obviously, I know, like you said, things change. We're not trying to, to sort of get you to say something that we would, we would hold you to. But if we had, you know, like, let's say we had a group of 15 people meeting and they were all, you know, we set it up in a way that they're not right next to each other. They are six feet apart. Um, I just, I, I know we all want to be team players with the mask thing, but the yeah. mask thing just, it's, it feels like such a killer. Do you yeah. foresee if, the scenarios where you don't, pay, uh, you don't wear a mask? Okay. But what I'm asking, and I try to be consistent because people really are upset about these masks. The, the mask science does work. It right. only, only comes in effect if you're within that six feet area. So okay. that's why we say wear them in stores. We say if you're at a park and you're by yourself, you don't need to wear them. If you're walking your dog or jogging in the morning, you don't need to wear them because you're far. But have it with you. If you're in your car, have it with you. So if you go through a drive-through and you're handing stuff back and forth, both the person you hand it to and you are protected from each other. You put it on for 30 seconds, you take it off. It's a pragmatic tool. It's not, it, it's hard to word those things in an order, in a quote county order. And, and that's why I hated the laws when I was a legislator. You try to write these laws that don't fit every application. So you make it the most narrow thing you can. Um, so when our order comes out, it says you must have a mask outdoors. But our narrative behind that since day one is, Put it on when you're close to somebody. So if you're sitting six feet apart, take off the mask. Okay. Again, watch what you touch. And again, sanitize if you can. If you see someone coughing and sneezing and things like that, you may want to pull them aside and say, we want you to wear your mask because you are doing more than just breathing. You're spitting out liquid droplets that carry the disease that can potentially carry the disease. Um, we're actually going one step further in our public health buildings and all our public buildings. You'll see this coming out. We do temperature checks. We got a bunch of thermometers or laser ones. It takes a half a second, zap you. And if you got a hundred degree fever, you're getting pulled away by someone else to check you out and find out what you have. And because that's the most, just like any other virus, that's the most, the most contagious. Mm. So we're seeing those infrastructure improvements in public places. You'll see it in my hospitals, thermal cameras in that can scan 60 people walking by in a second um, with different temperatures on their foreheads. You'll see it in our airports. Now, this is technology that's been around the rest of the world for a long time, but we never readopted really it here in the United States. So you do a combination of all these tools. But, yeah, don't wear your mask if you're six feet apart. If you're in that six-foot barrier, wear your mask. If you end up you know, giving someone a hug with mask on, just go wash up afterward. You know, what you're doing is you're limiting those risks. You're not eliminating it, but you're reducing that ability to get pass on to someone that you really care and love. And that's the important thing. Yeah. You don't want to take this home to your family. I don't want to take my home to my family. Since this thing started, I've been out every day. I go to every senior place. I go to my office. I have meetings in person and video conference like this. Seven days a week, literally 18 to 20 hours a day. And so I'm definitely afraid I'm going to bring this home to my family as well. The things I'm telling you is things I do. 
and, and they, they joke with me on the fifth floor here in the government center, they're probably the, the, the mask enforcer because I walk around, where's your mask? I'll hand, hand on the ear. Well, no one's in six feet. Be a good example, wear your mask. So every time they come around now, I walk around the building, they're all putting their mask on because I believe in it by reading the studies, by being educated about it. Um, and all it takes is one person in an office setting like we have uh, 200 people on this floor. It takes one infected person to spend it all 200 and then the leadership of the government's down, you know, which is not going to be a good such scenario for our residents because we're trying to prepare the rest of the county to, to deal with this. So I believe in it myself. But it's common sense. Hopefully, it's common sense. It's if you understand how it works, take whatever you need to do to try to minimize that risk. Whatever tools you have, we'll come up with guidelines. Like I said, we're not big on enforcing here. I'm a, I'm a, I was number two in the Republican Party for the state for six years. I'm a, I'm a Christian conservative person. I don't like big government. Okay, I do think it needs. We need to be here for a safety net, and we need to give you things that we have learned to try to hopefully let our residents do the right thing, but we're not going to be out there with a ticket book. Okay. Um, uh, Garrett, sorry, just real yeah. quick. Garrett, did you have something you wanted to ask? Yeah, Paul? Kurt, I have a, qu a quick question just about, you know, serving our community, you know, after the first couple of weeks that this happened, we quickly realized as a church, we still want to serve and help even yeah. though we have to be in our homes. So we did some financial assistance. We collected some, some physical food items and need items, but what are some other ways that we can serve people in our community with all these guidelines in mind, but still offer you know something to those who have need, something who, who need us to help them? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that. And just to let you know, under the COVID CARES Act, the federal government printed up extra money and gave the county some dollars. Okay, so we have money to help you help your people too. Um, th that needs to come to us. So we're working through our cities right now but we really should be working through faith-based organizations. We do have money for food. We do have money, money to help and expertise to help for those small businesses who want to apply for COVID funding, those type. And those programs are all listed on my website right now, on the county website. There's also a new program that started last week, and I think it's going through June 15 at this point. If you're a senior over 65 years old, been infected by COVID, and not on other federal assistance, we can offer you three meals a day delivered to your home, mm. our most vulnerable you know, population. So we're also trying to help food banks. We're trying to, if they have need for, for food, we could financial assistance, um, hopefully connecting with other things. We could do those type of, of helps right now. Um, it's hard to figure out how to do it because another strange thing about strange times, generally if we get a grant for something, it's very, very specific of how we spend that money. And we have to report back for wherever the state or the federal government who gives us that grant to spend. If it's on homelessness, if it's on, you know, whatever the case may be, healthcare. Um, when the CARES Act came, this is not to the normal agencies. This came from the Treasury. So they said, here's, here's money. We'll tell you later how to spend it. But if you don't spend it the correct way, you're responsible to pay us back. <laughs> and so here's some things how not to spend it, but we didn't tell you how to spend it yet. So um, as of later on last week, a little bit this week, they're starting to come out with the guidelines of how we can spend it. One of it is for food. For the first time ever, we could directly buy food and help those in need of food. Um, we don't, we're not used to just we use what the state has, you know, the CalFresh cards and stuff. But the county generally doesn't have means to go buy food and give it out. So we're trying to develop those systems, but working with our faith base and other nonprofits, trying to get those resources out to the right places. 
Um, we're still learning how we can spend these dollars. It's COVID-related, non-vegetal items, non-personnel items that we can do. We're exploring um, telemedicine. I'm a big technology buff, I think. In some ways, this has advanced our ability to do virtual communications, virtual governments, things we should have been doing a long time ago that we had to build the infrastructure for. And um, so I'm also the chair for IEHP, England Empire Health Plan, and I know we're trying to get more and more virtual medicine out because there's nothing worse than sending a healthy person to a waiting room to get sick before they see their doctor on some other thing. So if we can help them make connections like we're doing today to talk to their doctor, to tell them the symptoms, and even better yet, if there's some device to go around and you know take my temperature or be able to look at my eyes, my throat, whatever that the doctor normally does in person, but at the comfort of their home, great. You know, let's help that happen um, so we can have access, especially how wide diverse our county is. We have 22,000 square miles. Sure. There's not a lot of specialists in needles or in other places up in the high desert, but if we could virtualize them in to see patients, those are the type of infrastructure projects that will last past COVID that will help our population going forward. So we're looking at a lot of different things right now, um, but our main focus is trying to get everyone back open and get them back open safely. So we've been working out pretty hard this week. Yeah, but and just with what you shared, I'm I'm curious if if uh, if some of the good things that we can do for people who are in greater need is like you said, get them that food, get them their medicine, resources. Do you foresee like there being an avenue to help with sort of like the delivery, where it's like if we had if we were able to mobilize a group of our people that said, oh, I I'll go over here, pick this up, and drop stuff off. I love the idea. Avenue? I love the idea of doing that. There's um, a lot of um, volunteers doing that as we speak to go out and pick up food, deliver it to the seniors' home. The biggest vulnerable population, you identify them, they're the ones that may die from the get sick. Most of us, 50% of the people get sick don't know they're sick. That's the scary part about this thing. You can be a carrier and never have any symptoms. And that's the hard part. Well, if you knew you were sick, you could keep yourself self-quarantined. But if you don't know you're sick, how do you know about the testing? Um, but the people that it seemed like it, it, this virus can kill them, the ones we're having deaths from, all those vulnerable populations, you know, very elderly people, uh, people of underlying immune system deficiencies or other kind of diseases that this just adds to it that, that kind of goes too far. So if we can identify that population and us as a community surround them and support them where they're at, um, that's the best thing we can do right now because those are the people that may actually pass away from it. We still need to stop the spread. But if you and I catch it, hopefully we're healthy enough that, okay, we stay home for two weeks and we don't need to be in IC or something like that. And we'll get over it. Now we, now we build our immune move on just like, and that's why people think it's like a flu because people do die from the regular virus, the regular flu as well, not to the numbers we have right now. The difference being with this virus strand is it's, 500% more contagious than other ones are. Right. And so that means we have to be extra careful with it. And that's why you haven't seen anything like this in modern history of shutting down the entire world at the same time to try to combat it. It is that different. Yeah. And and I uh, just to pick up on something you said before, you talked about the whole kind of the carrot as opposed to the stick, which, by the way, I just really appreciate that. I really love that approach. Um, and talking about the the idea of restaurants and businesses, do you foresee something similar with churches just in terms of um, us being in a position to sort of demonstrate compliance to, to, to do things that we You're can on my list. Yeah. 
yeah, we're, be, we're being told this. And then whether or not it's a plaque, just that we could say, we're now coming to the county and saying, here's what we're doing to demonstrate that we're team players. We, 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 want, we don't want to be antagonists. We, we want to partner in all of this. Um, here's all the things that we're doing to set ourselves up where this will be a good thing and not a bad thing. Absolutely. We, uh, one of my nine industry sectors, the base core ones, was faith-based. <clears throat> and you're definitely going to be eligible for the COVID-compliant campaign and the dollars that come with it, although they're not a lot, but something. And we want to, this is for us trying to say, let's work together. What is what we can do? Uh, the worst thing I do is make a goal that no one can meet because then it's, we're both failing. So these are things we can do to be practical. Pretty much everything I told you earlier is what I know of the faith base is those type of things. Obviously, you have to have group gatherings. That's a whole basis of, of yeah. getting together. Uh, but do so in the safest manner you can. Now, I don't know if it's practical to keep everyone six feet apart, every single person, every church service. Probably not. Uh, but small groups, you probably could. Mm-hmm. And if we increase the number of services and, and diffuse that body and we have hand washing stations or sand sanitizing stations and we put on the face mask and we're not passing something back and forth between your attendees, that's the best we can ask you to do. But they're pragmatic measures to do that. And as other situations come up, okay, what do I do for a wedding? What do I do for a funeral? What do I do for this? What do I do for that? We'll work with you to say, okay, this is the way we can best approach it. Again, it's not going to completely stop everything. It's not a guarantee, but it greatly reduces the, the impact of um, spread for someone that comes in that may not know he has it. You know, this is a normal person that feels great walking in and all of a sudden 10 more people around him has it. It's not a good sign. And that's the, the scary part about this uh, disease is it, a lot of people don't even know that what they have. Yeah. It, let, let me ask this also. So, you know, going, going more on the negative side of things, let's say you walk into a, a gathering of a church that's reopened. What to you would be like the, Oh no, what would, be some of the oh no's that if you walked in you'd say this is this is not good um probably because i go all the time too and it's it's not the the biggest thing i would say is no mask holding hands um giving everyone a hug as they come through the door those things that we we love and we need that physical contact i'm, I'm a psychology major from you said way back when these things are we need as a as a population so it's very difficult for loving people not to have those embraces, not to be up close and be sympathetic when someone needs their hand and help. That is obviously the most vulnerable way to pass this on. Um, so it's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult for you as a pastor to, to lead that way, to set that example for your parishioners to say, if I am going to give you a hug, you know, we've been doing, you know, different things to set of shaking hands. We bump elbows, we tap feet, whatever, trying to still make that acknowledgement that, hey, good to see you um, while we're wearing a mask. But at the same time, we're not touching our hands because that's the, that's the most dirty things we do. We touch everything with our hands all the time. So I carry a little hand sanitizer with me, spray it every, every few little bit. I wipe down my phones. Like I said, I'm probably exposed to more things than anybody else is because the diversity of places I'm going every day. So I'm trying to be the extreme of it. So I'm trying to practice that because I don't want to take this home to my family, my kids. Um, <clears throat> so those are the things I, I don't have complete guidance. I give you the general stuff. You are going to have to lead your group the way you think is safe. Um, and 
to communicate that with your followers is going to be as hard, just like I'm trying to communicate with our residents in San Bernardino County. It's not easy. Um, people want to rebel. This is, you're affecting my freedoms. And I get that. And just like I have speed limits on the freeway and stuff like that, they're not guaranteed every time you go over 65, you're going to get a ticket. No, occasionally you might get one. And we're hoping that you do that with common sense. If there's no one on the freeway, you're going 75 versus 65, you're probably pretty safe. If you're going 75 and the other traffic's going 35 or 40, you're not safe. Yeah. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to appeal to the, the sense of common sense and decency that you're not only trying to protect yourself, but the people around you by doing the right things and trying to deal with that the best way you can. But obviously, there's going to be physical contact. If you go get your hair cut, someone's going to touch your head. If you're going to get, if you go into the hospital, you have your doctor, everybody else touching you. There's going to be that physical contact. You just, you try to reduce it. You try to do it the sanitary way. Yeah. Gary, you got to Thanks so much. No, I just saw so much information. I just really appreciate it all and a lot to uh, absorb and plan for. Yeah. It, it, real quick, if it's okay, let me just ask for churches or, or not just church, you know, gatherings that have an outside option would you see some strong advantages to saying if you're outside? Yeah. My impression just from the stuff I've read and heard is that yes. outside is better than inside. Yes. Uh, two things are, are beneficial being outdoors is one, the UV rays seem to kill things faster. Mm. So the sun's out, kills things faster. Um, two, you don't have the same air circulation like you do in your air duct systems. Um, and there's a lot of science behind this. We're actually putting UV lights within. I'm also on the five-member board of the Ontario International Airport. The airports use UV filtration to their air conditioning unit. So as the air goes through, the UV light kills the germs in the air, in theory. And there's a lot of science behind that as well. Um, but when you have a closed area, think about the cruise ships. One, one or two people got sick and then big outbreaks. It's not because they even ever came in contact. It's because the air is circulating from cabin to cabin to cabin. And when we're looking for our, our places and hotels to place some of our vulnerable population homeless into room settings for the first time ever we got them hotel rooms, we actually had to check out those circulation systems. <clears throat> so there is science with that circulating air, whether you're office setting or you're going into other places. Those things we still have to figure out. I'm hopeful we get a vaccination before we have to redo all our engineer plants and every building we have in the county. So I'm really hoping for the scientists to work quickly and get us some, um, you know, medicines and vaccinations to take care of this thing. But outdoors is much safer than indoors at this point. Again, depending on your density of the building. So if you're at 30% of capacity, you're probably pretty good. If you're at 100%, you really are pushing the limits of that proximity of folks as well as the air circulating in the building. Uh, there's been a number of studies people can look at on, on YouTube and others how they, you know, that six, 10 foot radius around you is really the danger zone for someone who's carrying the disease. For sure. Well, mm -hmm. thanks. Um, hey, again, we really appreciate this. Be, um, before we let you go, I know I, a couple weeks ago, I started following San Bernardino on Facebook. Just um, for anybody listening to this or watching this that <coughs> wants to sort of be as in the know as they can, what recommendations would you give to them? Yeah, we do have our county website. We have a COVID-19 page on the county website that has daily updates. Um, we obviously pushing out my social media as well. Every time we can, we put as much out. But I'm trying to do as many of these as we can too because you have different audiences than I do. And it's really helpful to 
and thank you for doing this to get out to your your followers. Um, tomorrow's gonna be a big day. I would say stay tuned. Um, I'm supposedly tomorrow's gonna be a big day. I'm very hopeful we hear that at noon today, and we're meeting as a, as a special board meeting this afternoon, four or four thirty, to accept our reopening plan based on what the governor says today. And that's going to change a lot, of, a lot of things for us here in San Bernardino County. We already have, you can already go outside and have fun. And we already did the active recreation and having passive recreation, go out and enjoy the great outdoors. And I did that without getting my hand slapped too much. Unlike Orange County, you got slapped pretty bad by the governor by opening up the beaches um, because we did it in the right way. And that's what we're trying to do. That's the biggest message we're trying to do, folks, is I got many of my friends, close friends and supporters of mine saying, you're taking away from my rights. You're trying to be a big government. No. This is us trying to do the best we can to mitigate this disease in a way that we can return to normal, sustain them. We want to open and stay open from now on and do it with guidelines that we know how to protect ourselves. And that's our biggest challenge right now is to try to take <clears throat> information from countries that are way ahead of us, you know, Taiwan, Korea, other places. Italy has been through this. We got hit. I mean, imagine we're an open free society. That's why we're hit the biggest too. Our numbers are through the roof um, as far as uh, contacts and stuff. So now it's going to take that momentous challenge to bring us back down to stabilize us. We're not necessarily going down, but we've been stable since four one. Okay, and that gives us comp confidence that we're doing the right things to move forward, and hopefully we'll do that in the right way. Awesome. Well, thank you. But stay tuned to the stay tuned to the website. We'll have updates sure. tomorrow, one way or the other, um, and um, we'll hopefully get some things going the next week or two, and get some people outside even more, and get people back to work and back to churches, which is That's important. Right. That's <laughs> great. That's great. Well, thanks. Thanks so much again taking this time. A lot of good stuff, uh, you know, uh, and um, definitely, you know, we're uh, I know at least for my family and for our church, we're. Praying for you guys. Know you're in a tough position. We'll, we'll continue to do so. And God bless you with, may God bless you with wisdom and guidance and perseverance as you continue to look to be helpful and, and serve and lead our community through this. Yep. Thank you very much. And thank you for taking care of your residents and practitioners. And let us know how we partner up um, as you get those needs. Let us know. We'll see if we can fill them. You bet. All right. Thanks, Kurt. Well, thank thanks you so much, Kurt. Appreciate yeah. it a lot. <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye. You too. Bye.